It's time to get up and get your day started. It's Sports 56 Mornings with Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Diggs! Sideline! Touchdown! Unbelievable! Here are your hosts, Greg and Eli. Greetings and salutations on this Early Tuesday morning, we welcome you into Sports 56 Mornings. It is indeed the Tuesday, October 3rd, 2023 edition of the program. Greg Gaston, Eli Savoy, and Zach Boyd. We are in the Family Leisure Studios. Family Leisure, where family and fun come together. The world's biggest spa sale continues at 2120 Witten Road, just north of I-40. Should be another warm one today, but the relief is in sight. Later this week, it's going to start to plummet. At least the temperature is going to feel like fall, finally. But today, it's going to feel more like summer. Right now, it's 65, but the high is projected to be 91 degrees. Mostly sunny skies tonight, partly cloudy with a low of 68. Then tomorrow, a mix of clouds and sun in the morning, followed by clouds in the afternoon with a high of 89. But starting on Thursday again, that temperature will start to go down. Coming up on the program today, we'll talk about the Grizzlies and media day yesterday. I thought it was a fairly eventful day for how media days usually go. Uh, some interesting things, especially one uh, great interview, um, or or at least Q&A session, if you want to call it that, with Derek Rose, who's back in Memphis now, a member of of the Grizzlies. Connor O'Gara joins us at 725 to talk college football. At 805, Memphis Tigers freshman guard Carl Sharonfont will join us. Give us an update on what's happening over at Tigers practice as Memphis gets closer and closer to the start of their 2023-2024 college basketball season. At 825, we talk Major League Baseball with David Sampson from the Nothing Personal podcast. The former Marlins president, the Marlins in the postseason. Four playoff series as far as the wild card round is concerned, and they all get underway today. So we'll talk to David and get a preview from him at 9.05. It's our weekly Rhodes segment. Still talking Rhodes football with head coach Rich Duncan. Link's coming off a nice win last Saturday over Southwestern University, 31-7. And then we'll be open in our final segment. We'll take calls and texts at 901 901- 360-8255 on the Sports 56 listener lines. You can also hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or on the website at sportsmemphis.com. Got some other news and notes from the NFL. Got some NFL from last night, Monday Night Football. Not a real stellar game, but we'll talk a little NFL and some other college basketball news. It's all coming up on the program today. How are you? I am fantastic. Yeah? Yeah. Why? I don't just... just Feeling good, strong, you know, just just life's good. Feeling strong. Look at you. Actually, I'm a little sore, but. (laughs) I saw you stretching out before we started the show. I know it wasn't from lifting weights, but you played a lot of golf lately, haven't you? I have been playing a lot of golf. Playing more golf today. Not a bad thing, right? Not not a bad thing at all. It's part of why I feel great. So, yesterday, I had a chance to go over to media. I know you weren't able to go, but I was over at Media Days. And usually these things are about as routine as you would expect. A little bit of, you know, a couple of smiles and a few hugs and a hello and welcome backs and things of that nature. And 
the players are paraded around, and then they do, go through everything else they have to do. It's really a busy day for the players. I don't know if people realize this. Maybe some do. But all the little things that run during a game with the players and all the little fun games they do and things of that nature, it's all taped yesterday. It was like all that stuff is taped. All the photos, all the everything is done yesterday. So it is really a long day. But today they actually get on the court and they begin to practice. And some interesting things I wanted to hear from Marcus Smart. Wanted to hear from Steven Adams, but I certainly also wanted to hear from the former Memphis Tiger, Derek Rose. And I got to tell you, Eli, I was riveted. And it's it's hard to believe that I'm saying this because when Derek Rose, 15 years ago, arrived in Memphis for his one year with the Tigers, a young guy, of course, about as shy and introverted as you'll ever see a person. Uh, not that he's this boisterous guy and this this extrovert and all that, but he is wise beyond his years now. He's a father of three, he's married, and it was listening to somebody that you want to just listen to for, for hours. I could have sat there and listened to Derrick Rose for hours. I'm being quite honest, and I think uh, most of my peers would agree with me. Uh, one of the most honest, eloquent Media Day Q&As I've ever heard uh, said a lot of different things, but this one, of course, stood out, and I think it was reposted by many, many people, not only here in Memphis, but really around the country that follow the NBA. He said, quote, I'm not here to babysit. I'm not here to be a plant in the locker room. I'm here to help us win. I love that fact. He still thinks he has something left in the tank, but he talked about from being this superstar and he was, of course, an NBA MVP. And how the ego, even though he doesn't consider himself real egotistical, you have an ego when you're at that point and when you're one of the upper-tier players in the league. And then it's not that your skills start to dissipate, but injuries start to take its toll. And then all of a sudden you become a, a good player, not a great player. Then you become a situational player where you're not playing as much, but you're still contributing. Then the injuries take you out and you don't play at all because of injuries. Then you had what he had last year, which was a season where he was completely healthy, he told us. And they never used him. They just did not use him in New York. So he still feels there's a little something in the tank to help out this team and do whatever it takes to help this team win. On returning to Memphis, he said, it feels like divine timing. Just great to hear from Derrick Rose. Yeah, um... Just interesting to hear him, you know, talk about his growth as a person. Um, you know, talking about how you know basketball doesn't define him, and just kind of figuring out things about who he is and all of that. I think it's uh, really interesting stuff from him, and um, you know, listening to him speak and everything that he said makes you feel. Even more, and yeah, I, I understand what he says. He's not here to babysit, but he's here to have an influence on John Morant, and he and he doesn't mind that at all. And the, the just listening to the way he spoke and about his just personal growth through the years and everything else, mm -hmm. you could see where John needs a lot of that in his development 
as a person. And so certainly you think that he could have a very positive effect on John. Now, as he said, the John's got to be willing to, you know, anything like that. If you're going to be an influence on somebody, they have to be willing to accept that influence. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully Ja is a, is, you know, willing to do that. Good to hear that Ja is going to be allowed to be around the team. Um, so that influence can be there from the get go, even though he won't be playing in the games. But um, yeah, I, I think it's, uh, I, I think he certainly, I don't know what he has left on the court. I don't expect anything out of Derrick Rose on the court, especially after the first 25 games of the year. Uh, maybe he can contribute. I don't know. Um, but I do think off the court, he can contribute to this team. I agree. I, I I look at him as a positive influence for this team, for John Morant specifically, for the city of Memphis. I don't expect too much. If he's going to contribute, it's going to be early in the season when Ja is out and suspended. Uh, Zach, first of all, good morning to you. How are you? Good morning, guys. How you doing? Zach was over there yesterday at Media Day. We got a little bit from Derrick Rose? We do. What do you got? So uh, this first clip is about him being vocal in the locker room. Okay. I uh, started um, with my agent. I mean, actually, before then, um, started with me reaching out to Tony Allen to get Jaw number or to get Jaw dad's number and me chopping it up, having a casual, a casual conversation with them led to um, my agent talking to um, the Grizzlies and um, mentioning me coming in and that's something I've never thought about um, ever since I left here. I never thought about it. But the, that this summer, it just made sense, you know, uh, with everything that's going on. Me coming here, um, I still feel like I, I could play. Last year, I didn't play at all. So I feel like I, I saved my body some wear and tear from not playing last year and just trying to, like, grow as a person, as a player, be more vocal, expressing myself especially with the young guys that's on the team. I saw that potential here that I could actually challenge myself in that way with being more vocal. And, um, and yeah, just seeing where uh, where it goes. And that's Derek, of course, talking about how he ended up in Memphis with the Grizzlies. Uh, anything else from D-Rose? Yeah, so uh, he talked about his offseason. I thought, which which I thought was interesting, considering you know you, when you have veteran players, like they always you know bring up the offseason not being around their kids as much mm-hmm. when the season started. So I think uh, his comments on that were were very interesting. You know, right now I I really haven't drove around yet because when I came back, I just was getting married. So when we came back, moving in the house, unpacking, and still trying to give my kids my undivided because during the season sad to say your family comes second when you have a, a certain job or a profession and in the summertime I flip the script I do the opposite where I'm not trying to hear nobody from the French from the franchise or anything I'm giving my kids my undivided until um, the season starts so I was doing that until um, tomorrow and that's when it starts up so talk to the coach talk to all the um, the staff talk to the GM Zach talk to everybody and just told them how, like, you have to trust me in the way, like, I, I do my work, but at the same time, I'm giving my kids my all my attention during the summertime. Has his priority straight? I, I, I just, this interview, and again, it went on for probably about 15 minutes, 20 minutes. It was absolutely outstanding. You had mentioned probably the biggest news of the day a moment ago, 
that John Morant will be allowed to practice. He will be allowed to travel. He'll be with the team. The only thing he won't be doing is playing in games. He won't be in the arena when the team plays a game, but he can be on the road. He can be at home. He could be at the arena uh, during off days. That's good news because we didn't know where things stood before yesterday. Yeah, um, you know, there was a lot of, I guess, confusion even within the organization um, throughout the summer of what he was going to be allowed to do, where he would be allowed to be, when, all of that stuff. And so um, it's it's good. I mean, and I think it's, it's smart by the NBA to allow that because, you know, again, this wasn't, he didn't do something that was breaking laws and getting trouble that way. He did something dumb that the NBA doesn't like as far as its image is concerned, but he didn't break any laws. He didn't, you know, they're not talking about domestic violence and things, other things that we've seen throughout the league that guys have gotten in trouble for and got suspended for. And it's, it makes sense for this to have him around the team. And again, around guys like Derek Rose, around veteran guys, it, it um, you know, taking away the, now, I don't know. Is there a trip to Denver in the first one? Let's hope not. I don't know. You know, certain spots on the road, maybe it's not good to have him. What with was the that team. place called? Shotgun Willies? Yeah. May, there may be certain, maybe down. Maybe certain road trips that it isn't good to have him on, but I think it's, um, it's, it's probably smart to keep him occupied, keep him under like, and I use air quotes here, team supervision during this time. Um, so, um, and, and I think that's good for him. Good for the team. It makes it again, Said it all along. There's the NBA was going to make sure once the schedule came out and you saw it, we all knew the NBA is going to make sure that John Morant is ready to play in the 26th game. They didn't allow TNT to pick. They didn't tell have TNT pick up that game to say, yeah, we don't know if John's going to play or not. You guys are just rolling the dice there. We might you know extend his suspension. Now mm-hmm. it's they want John ready to play in that 26th game when it's on TNT. It's always calculated when it comes to the NBA. So Denver, another one of those uh, was the, it the, the road game against Denver is in December uh, 28th. Okay, so, so, it's, after, so, it's, so, so it's afterwards. All right, so he's he would, after he, he would already be on that trip anyway. After he comes back, rehab, he, he ready to go. He won't know? be looking for a place to watch the game on the yeah. road in Denver. <laughs> well, I don't know. They may have some. They may have some late Christmas specials on December 28th and some pre New Year's Eve specials at Shotgun Willie's. But another one of the veteran players that is now a member of the Grizzlies that certainly will have. A, a similar role in the sense that um, he'll be a mentor for job, but that's not his primary role. That's just something that comes with the territory. But this guy is going to be called upon to be big on offense, but especially on defense where he once was a NBA Defensive Player of the Year. I'm talking about Marcus Smart. Uh, he said things similar to Derrick Rose, that he's not a babysitter. He's here to help this team get to that next level, number two in the West the last two years. But it's all about – and Derrick Rose said this as well. It's about the postseason. And I've always – look, I'm not alone when I say that. I don't care what you do in the regular season. It's all about the postseason. And Marcus Mart was talking about that. He also said, I'm looking forward to helping keep Jaron out of foul trouble. So I wonder how that's going to work. But that would be nice if he could. Yeah, um, no doubt about it. That's um, one of Jaron's issues, and certainly I, it, people around the league understand that. Marcus Smart, I'm sure, understands that. And it's, if you could be a good perimeter defender that um, that keeps guys out of the lane, things like that, that only helps Jaron Jackson. He seems to be all in, 
I know it took a while. It was certainly shocking when that trade first happened for Marcus Smart. But now it seems like he has really sold on this Grizzlies team. He was all smiles. It was fun to listen to him. Steven Adams, who, of course, cut it up with everybody as he does uh, when he does meet the media. He is a funny guy, but we were concerned about where it stood with his health. And he said, it was an interesting quote. He said, it would be irresponsible to say I'd be ready to go right now because the buildup is so important. Now, I know Taylor Jenkins talked positive about where he is health-wise. To me, kind of deciphering it, it seems like they'll take it a little bit easy in camp with Steven Adams and maybe even in the in the preseason games. But unless there's a setback, should be ready to go from day one as far as the regular season. Yeah, they say he's cleared to go. So, but I don't, but yeah, but there's a, a getting in. I, what he has been able to do to this point, I don't know, but it's been a long time since he's played in a game. And even if you've been working out or whatever, there's a difference between being in game shape versus just being in shape. So mm-hmm. certainly um, he's got to get into game shape, but hopefully throughout the preseason, and I, I would expect to see a ton of him in preseason games, but he can hopefully get out there a little bit and, yeah, be ready to go for the opener night one. And um, the good news is he's he's cleared to go. There's no, there is no, we're waiting for clearance, all that stuff. They say he's cleared to go, and that's that's good news on Steven Adams. Another player who I thought had some interesting things to say was Zaire Williams. First of all, he said, listen, I'm healthy. And Taylor Jenkins echoed those sentiments, as did Zach Kleiman. He was healthy at the end of last season. So there was no issues over the summer with Zaire Williams' health they just decided that they didn't want him to play in the summer league. So it wasn't because he couldn't play. Zaire Williams said, nobody has worked as hard as I have this past summer. Bold statement by Zaire. Jaron Jackson Jr. said that Zaire looks terrific. And Zaire said that he expects to win that starting job, small forward job, to begin the season when Ja is out. He expects to be the three on the floor. I asked Luke Kennard, does it matter to you about coming off the bench or about starting? And he seemed noncommittal, whatever it took. And that's what you would expect most players to say, whatever it takes to help out the team. But I just think from the outside looking in that I'd rather have Kennard coming off the bench, lighting it up, having a lot more options than maybe he does on the floor with the starters because there's so many options there, and have Zaire win that job. Now, there's guys like David Roddy and Jake LaRavia that would love to take that that job and be the starter. But Zaire Williams, the confidence he exuded, I love that. Yeah, it's I still believe that last year was Zaire was a just a it was just a lost season in that one, I think injury certainly played a part in it, but he, he just lost all confidence. He just he was he had no confidence in his shot. Um then as the minutes dwindle, you put more pressure on yourself because you know you're getting limited opportunities. Then you're trying to, you feel like you got to make every shot because otherwise you're not going to get to play. And I, I just think it all compounded. And I think just a summer to clear his head, um, do the work, get healthy, all of those things. I, I would if if it's not unless they go with Luke Kennard, which I certainly could understand. If it's I certainly think Zaire would start over Laravia or Roddy. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any – in my mind, he clearly would be the starter above those two, um, barring something crazy. Um, 
so yeah, I I think there would be a really good chance that Zaire ends up being the starter at the three during those those games. Couple of other notes from the NBA yesterday in Houston. Dylan Brooks, former Memphis Grizzly, was uh, introduced to the media, talked about a number of things, and was asked about the Grizzlies. And he said, hey, big chip on my shoulder. That's one of the games I've circled on my list. And we got them four times. So no surprise that Dylan Brooks is basically calling out his old team and is looking forward to playing in those games this season against Memphis. Also, Memphian campaign finds a new home in Milwaukee. So he'll be a backup point guard in Milwaukee. Of course, Milwaukee now with Damian Lillard, who was introduced yesterday at Media Day with uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo. But good for Cameron Payne. Finds a nice home with a team that could win it all. Yeah, there was a lot of talk once that trade went down that he might be a candidate because they needed a backup point guard. Um, and certainly, that's a, that's, a, that's a good place to go. place that you could very well go win a ring. So um, good for him. And hopefully he's able to stick there and, and have a good season as the backup and, and maybe get that ring. Look, Media Day is where optimism abound, right? Everybody is an eternal optimist when it comes to Media Day. Kawhi Leonard talking about how healthy he is and wants to play for Team USA in the Olympics next year. You had Anthony Davis saying his goal was to play all 82 games. I'll believe it when I see it. Um, So a lot of that going on around the NBA, but certainly here in Memphis, a lot of excitement. Uh, Players are fired up to get going, and camp begins today. Ron texts in, says, I expect Bain, Smart, Rose, Jaron, and Adams to start if healthy. No. Derrick Rose. Rose will not start. Derrick Rose at the first 25 games could be your backup point guard. After that, I don't think there will be a whole lot of minutes for Derrick Rose. There may be some here and there. Um, obviously, injuries and all that could dictate some of that. But I don't – Those there, he's not – Derrick Rose wasn't brought here to be any star, any starter even for the first 25 games. Uh, Marcus Mark, Des Bain, Steven Adams, Jaron Jackson Jr., and it looks probably like Zaire Williams as your starters for opening day. Again – Subject to change, nothing etched in stone. This wasn't said by Taylor Jenkins. But that's the way I see it. Now, again, could be Kennard instead of Zaire, but it's not going to be Derrick Rose. Uh, Raider, of course, says, I thought Jaws' first eligible game back is the 19th at New Orleans. First home game is against the Pacers on the 21st. Yeah, that is correct. That's Those are the his first eligible game. The 26th game is the game at New Orleans, which, again, is televised on TNT. So that's why the NBA wants to make sure Jaws is ready to go for that game. Um, again, when you're when you're making rules against resting guys in the national television games, you want that. So if you've got kind of a control over a guy, you're going to make sure that, hey, yes, you could be around the team. You could practice basically telling the Grizzlies, get that guy ready to go in the 26th game. And obviously the Grizzlies want John the court as soon as they can get him on the court, which would be that game at New Orleans. Um, so, yeah, they... Everybody wants Ja on the court that night in New Orleans. They do, but where will the Grizzlies be after 25 games? That's the big question. They have had a lot of success without Ja in the past. Will that continue now with a different makeup, with Marcus Smart being in there, uh, with Brandon Clark, a key backup, out for at least at least minimum half the season? So there are a lot of questions that need to be answered, but the Grizzlies feel very good that they can – answer those questions in a very positive manner, have a great start to the season, and then have Ja ready to go and, and fired up, and he will be rested 
and I would imagine excited to get back on the court. Pinnacle Roofing and Restoration for all your roofing and home repair needs. Call Brandon McCullough at 901-438-5084 or go online to newroofmemphis.com. They offer financing, so different plans and options to choose from. You can go 6, 12, even 18 months, same as cash option. They'll work with your insurance company or out of pocket. Whatever it takes to get that new roof or that roof fixed. Pinnacle does residential and commercial roofing. So business owners, property managers, along with homeowners. If you have a leak or any other roofing problem, call Brandon today. They'll come out and do a free roof inspection. They are licensed, bonded, and insured and a member of the Better Business Bureau. Again, free roof inspection. Just give them a call when you see you have a problem with your roof. There's a leak or any other issue. Five-year labor warranty on the purchase of a new roof and all their work is satisfaction guaranteed. They do carpentry work, exterior painting. They can replace gutters, install shingles, put up fencing, siding, rotten wood repair. Whatever you can't do yourself, call the experts at Pinnacle Roofing and Restoration. Quality work at a very reasonable price. Again, this is locally owned and operated. Pinnacle Roofing and Restoration, 901-438-5084 or online at newroofmemphis.com. When we come back, we're talking college football with Connor O'Gara from Saturday Down South. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli. On Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. You already know you can listen to Sports 56 anywhere with the Sports 56 app or at sports56whbq.com. But you can also watch us daily with live video of all of our shows on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Now, back to Sports 56 Mornings. Good morning. On Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Welcome back, everyone. 7.30 the time. Hour number one here on Sports 56 Mornings. Coming up at 8.05, Carl Font will join us from the Memphis Tigers men's basketball team. And we'll talk Major League Baseball playoffs with... Dave Sampson, the host of the Nothing Personal podcast and former Marlins president. That'll be at 825. But right now, time to talk some college football, specifically some SEC football with Connor O'Gara. It's time to talk some SEC and college football. Joining Greg and Eli is Connor O'Gara from SaturdayDownSouth.com and SaturdayTradition.com. Here's Connor O'Gara with Greg and Eli. We get a chance to talk college football every other week with Connor O'Gara from Saturday Down South and Saturday Tradition. You can follow him on Twitter at CJ O'Gara. What's going on, Connor? Gentlemen, doing well. Uh, working through a bit of a cold right now that's lasted for about a week and a half. The uh, daycare germs have gotten the best of me, oh. so apologies. <laughs> yeah, I don't sound my, like my usual self. It happens, my friend. Get used to it. Get used oh. to it. I'm already used to it. It's, it's bad. And I, I've upped my vitamin C intake to about 900% per day, and, and I'm, I'm still feeling it. So five weeks into the season, basically, five games for most teams, if not all teams. I'm, I'm trying to scan down the, uh, the league here in the SEC. I think everybody's played five. Who's the best team in the West? Oh, man, I think it's still Bama. As weird as it is to say, look, it's kind of about this point – how bad is your is your weakness? I, I think that's kind of how we have to look at the West. I think that's how we kind of have to look at college football as a whole. In a month where it seems like so many teams are flawed, we look and we say, all right, what, what can get you beat in a given week? And we 
saw the way that it played out with LSU at Ole Miss, mm-hmm. that secondary is such a weakness, and that can get them beat. But I think Bama is still the best team, despite the fact that offensively, even in a juicy matchup for that passing game against the Mississippi State secondary, that has allowed everybody to throw on them. They did not want to throw the football. and So they're still limited in what they could do, and I'm not saying that Bama's about to win a national title, but I think you look at what Bama has done defensively, who they think they are offensively with the ground game, and I think that you would still probably take them over anybody in the West. The How, how big was the win for Lane Kiffin to get that over LSU? Huge, because of the alternative. The alternative is, in an eight-day stretch, you go from thinking you have a chance to compete in this division, perhaps get to your first SEC championship game as a program to being 0-2 and out of it with the two teams that you lost to being Bama and LSU. Instead, you get, in my opinion, your first signature win. And I can say that as an Indiana grad who doesn't necessarily count the 2020 Outback Bowl as a Lane Kiffin signature win <laughs> or last year's game against Kentucky, a number 7 Kentucky team that obviously went 7-5 and five in the regular season. But I, I think beating LSU and doing so in very typical Lane fashion I think that's his best win in a long time. Remember the stat that I always bring up, Lane Kiffin in his career against Power 5 teams who go on to win nine regular season games. Guys, coming into this year, he was 1-19 in those matchups, and his last such victory came 12 years ago when he was the head coach at USC against Oregon. So I think it was a monumental day for Lane Kiffin. By the way, yesterday Ole Miss announced that the attendance for that game broke the record at Vault-Hemingway Stadium, 66,703 officially for that game, including Savoy. They announced that, that during the game that that was a record. Uh, on the other side of that, who's to blame for LSU's defense being that bad? Matt House. I think Matt House is to blame. Um, I, I think that they have an obvious weakness in, in the secondary. And last year, they pieced together the secondary with portal guys, and it worked. This year, they're piecing together the secondary with some portal guys, some not portal guys. It's not working. It's just not working. You can't have that many missed tackles on the road in the SEC West and expect to win a football game. You just can't. I mean, what was the final number that I think Brian Kelly had? It was like 34 missed tackles in a game? Mm. I mean, that that is just insane to think about. Not to take credit away from Ole Miss, but it's bad. And you see the madhouse usage of Harold Perkins and how that's been scrutinized so much, and, and he's not the player that he was last year in part because of that, and in part because team's game plan to, to try and, and stop that guy, and they realize they have to. So I think Matt House, this, this game just isn't working right now. These guys are not in position to succeed, and they're not making those plays when they have the opportunity. So it comes back to the D.C., in my opinion. Well, I know we live in a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately world, especially with SEC football and, in particular, LSU and that fan base, but I, I don't get it. I don't get all the, the negative talk about Brian Kelly. His first year, look what he did in his first year. I know they're 4-4 four and four in their last eight going back to last year. I think he's a really good coach, so what am I missing here? People love to hate Brian Kelly. It's just as simple as that. I mean, it's, you don't have to overthink it. It's, unless he had a national championship under his belt, and even then, I mean, look at Jimbo Fisher and the treatment that, that he gets because mm-hmm. of that contract. Right. But people... People feel like Brian Kelly is put in the masses, the, the media specifically in that tier one group of coaches, even though the, the masses feel like his teams are always overrated. Now, I would push back on that a bit. I, I tend to, to err more on the side of he's a really, really good football coach. But the problem with this team is that this was the most talented team that Brian Kelly's ever had as a head coach. And here they are heading into October with two losses already. In my opinion, they are out of the college football playoff. They, they would need a wild sequence of events, very 
like sequence of events for that for that to change in my opinion. But but to me, I think that's probably the bigger issue, and you see the obvious flaws with a very talented team. The Rebels, Ole Miss, get Arkansas this week. It it feels like, and we knew going into the year this was going to be a brutal stretch for Arkansas. I mean, you just four SEC West games on the road, basically in a four week stretch is hard to ask. But they lose the BYU game going into that stretch. How Sam Pittman? It feels like things are turning on Sam Pittman at Arkansas. What if if he ends up losing the rest of this stretch? Especially if they were to lose to Mississippi State at home coming out of it. How bad could things get for Pittman? Bad. Um, and I, I think if I'm sitting here betting today, Hunter Juracek is going to give him the year of grace. And mm-hmm. he, Sam Pittman would probably be on every hot seat list in America this offseason. He's going to have a chance to turn around this team with the latter half of the schedule the way that it sets up. But the problem, and if you recall last year, that locker room kind of splintered. When things went south after expectations sort of came and went, they, they had a really difficult time keeping that team together. And it looked like it was a one-way street with the portal. And that is an issue. And that is an issue that Sam Pittman is working against. If you know that, it, that the buyout and the way that it's structured, it's a performance-based buyout. And it's got about a $5 million difference. It goes from about $15 million to $15.5 million to, I want to say, about $10 million in terms of whether or not he has a record that is 500 or better. And, and that's the issue that I think Sam Pittman is working against because the honeymoon is over. Mm. And I think that even as a Sam Pittman fan, I could sit here and say he needs to be able to figure things out in a hurry with this team, this disastrous offensive line, which is, that's probably the biggest issue with this team is that the offensive line is so bad. And that's the area that he's supposed to be so good at. And they just have not been able to find those answers so far. Extremely important games all around the league this weekend. Alabama, Texas A&M, I asked you about who the best team in the West is, and you said, well, it's probably Bama. Bama goes to College Station. Texas A&M's defense has played lights out, and it seems like their offense is better with Max Johnson than it was with Connor Wegman. How do you see this matchup? The offense is not better with Connor Wegman, with Max Johnson compared to, to Connor Wegman. I'll, I'll push back on that. I it's think not? Connor okay. Wegman was I think he was really figuring things out. Now, it was better last week against Auburn when Max Johnson came in. He definitely provided a spark. But if you look at the things that Connor Wiggins was doing, especially against the Blitz, I mean, I, I will defend that guy. But he has kept that offense afloat. And that, to me, is, is, is a testament to Max Johnson. It's also a testament to this Bobby Petrino offense, which is working. Guys, they have five consecutive games with 27 points to start this, this Bobby Petrino era. The last time a Jimbo Fisher coached team had such a streak within a season was 2014 at Florida State wow. with Jameis Winston. So think about that. This offense is working. The defense has figured some things out since Miami. That defensive line is still really, really good. And that, there's a reason why this spread is only, what, two and a half points? We saw Jalen Milrow against, against this A&M front last year, and it didn't look particularly good. They were a competent goal line call away from going into Tuscaloosa and winning that football game. And so now you look at this matchup going into College Station, a&M fans should be feeling pretty good because they have an offense that can actually hang with a team that, that, in my opinion, has a lot of talent in Alabama. But Alabama's defense is playing phenomenally well. It's strength on strength with that A&M offense against the Bama defense. And to me, I, I think this matchup is so unbelievably interesting with where these programs are at. Is Kentucky Has Kentucky established itself as the second-best team in the East, and can they win in Athens? No, they haven't because Mizzou is still still lurking. And Mizzou is the team that right now, I mean, you talk about a prime opportunity. Guys, they, they are they just beat a power five team 
as a ranked team for the first time in nine years. Hadn't happened. Speaking of things that haven't happened since 2014, that's what Mizzou just did by beating Vandy. Okay, so they, they have a prime opportunity in a, a very intriguing matchup against an LSU secondary that's falling apart. But Kentucky, you know, I, I think Kentucky, people were expecting bigger things for the passing game out of my personal doppelganger, Liam, Liam Cohen. <laughs> and, guys, it just has not materialized. Now, the great thing for Kentucky is that defense looks great. And what Ray Davis did, single game FBS high, 280 rushing yards against the Florida run defense that came in 15th in the country. You feel good about those things, but you would think even against Georgia, who has been suspect against the run so far this year, atypically so, you still need to be able to establish that second dimension. It just has not been there for Devin Leary and these young receivers. So I think that they're a distant second, but Mizzou is absolutely still part of that conversation. Do you think Georgia covers 14 and a half? Oh, man. It's a lot of points. It's a lot. I took Auburn and covered last week. I had I had Auburn only losing that game twenty one to ten, and it kind of played out the way that I that that I envisioned. Maybe not not down in the wire that way, but I, look, I'm going to have to dig into that one a bit more. They're going to make adjustments, right? That defensive staff is too good. Glenn Schumann and Will Muschamp and Kirby Smart. They're going to figure some things out in the run game to be able to stop it. So I, I think that they probably cover, but at the same time. The fact that I'm even thinking about that for a game that's going to be played in Athens yes. for a Georgia team that's gotten off to these terrible starts in their two Power 5 games, I mean, that kind of tells you where this program is at right now. Yeah, it's interesting. We're kind of second-guessing. I don't know why we should be second-guessing Georgia, two-time defending national champions, undefeated, still number one, 16 straight weeks in the AP poll, and yet I'm looking to see if there's some slippage, and then they'll probably go out and clobber Kentucky and look like Georgia from the past two years. So we'll, we'll we'll see this weekend. But if there are issues and they either get upset or get a close shave win, I'm, I know what we'll be talking about next week, that maybe Georgia is not the Georgia of the past and all these other conferences have teams that could beat Georgia. So we'll we'll see how that turns out. But it should be a, a fun weekend with a lot of big games. Of course, Connor has you covered it Saturday down south, Saturday tradition. Make sure to follow him on Twitter at CJ O'Gara. And we'll talk to you again in two weeks, Connor. Thank you so much, man. Gentlemen, appreciate it. Get well. Get well. Take some more (laughs) stuff for the cold. All right, take care. Oh, we'll do. (laughs) Connor O'Gara from Saturday Down South. Folks, so what goes with uh, football as far as food is concerned? Better than anything, it's hot wings. It is hot wings. Yes, you can get your burgers, you can get your ribs, you can get all that stuff, but hot wings is synonymous with football and tailgating. And what's important with uh, a good hot wing is the flavors. What chicken wing flavors do you put on top? Well, At the Crazy Coop, they got 27 options. 27 options for your delicious hot wings, like the Buffalo Ranch, a perfect combo of ranch seasoning with a little kick to it, the mango habanero, the sweet taste of mango followed by the heat. Or maybe you want to go sweet maple bourbon. The taste will remind you of chicken and waffles. You could also go really hot with the Crazy Sweet Lemon Pepper Hot or the Crazy Suicide. Or if you can't take the heat, get the four cheese roasted garlic or the barbecue bacon bourbon. That's just a few of the examples of the 27 different flavors you can get at the Crazy Coop. Where are they located? 7199 Highway 64 between Appling and Kirby Witten and the Crazy Coop Express at 1315 Ridgeway off Poplar. Stock up for your tailgating, whether it's Friday night high school football or Saturday NFL, or you're just looking for a great place for lunch or for dinner. They have the whole wings, the party wings, the boneless wings, plus those delicious, I mean huge chicken tenders. The crazy packs are available, and they will cater events. They're open at 11 a.m. all the way to 9 p.m. seven days a week. 
You could uh, get the takeout, order online, DoorDash, and any of the other services will deliver to your home or office. And as I mentioned, they will cater your event. So when you're thinking hot wings, of course, when you're thinking football, think hot wings. Think the crazy coop. They are located again at 7199 Highway 64 between Appling and Kirby Witten. It's in Bartlett. It's kind of where Bartlett meets Memphis and the Crazy Coop Express at 1315 Ridgeway off Poplar. You're tuned in to Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Join the voice of the Tigers, Dave Woloshin, for Wolo and Friends. Weekday mornings from 10 to 11 here on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now, back to Sports 56 Mornings. Good morning. On Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Welcome back, everybody. Final segment here in hour number one. Tomorrow is five favorite things. And on Tuesday, we give you the topic. So here you go. Here's your topic for tomorrow's five favorite things. Your five favorite comedians who starred in a television sitcom or drama. So five favorite comedians who starred in a television sitcom or drama. But you cannot use any who starred in a variety show. So you can't use Saturday Night Live, In Living Color. So you can't do any of that. As far as even the Chappelle show, you can't use the Chappelle show. These are variety shows. I'm talking about an actual comedy or drama. And there have been many, many comedians that have starred in both genres. So five favorite comedians who starred in a television sitcom or drama for tomorrow's five favorite things. Here's what here's what is not one of my favorite things. What's that? That football game last night. <laughs> I, that just... was that was that was um that was Brutal. I'll go brutal. <laughs> it was that was awful, awful football last night. You know, the Giants looked like a disaster. Last year when I had the, the, the usual red zone that was on direct TV and I had all the games, it was great. Picked who picked and, cho- and and choose uh choose who I wanted to watch, when I wanted to watch. It was, everything was great. Now I'm stuck with whatever's on, and it seems like it's always a bad game. And of course, when you're talking Monday Night Football, the past two weeks there were two games. Last night there was only the one. You're stuck with that. That's your game. That would be the same thing as like a Thursday night game. You're stuck with it. But you're right. The Giants right now are in disarray. When Saquon Barkley can't play, forget about it. They're just horrible. Listen to this. This comes from Bill Barnwell. He tweeted this out. The Giants offense this season, excluding the second half against the Cardinals, So just one half of football, exclude that second half against the Cardinals. The Giants offense, 37 drives, one touchdown, 15 total points, eight turnovers, 20 sacks. That's pathetic. The damn near had 20 sacks last night. Oh, my gosh. I mean, how much of it is Daniel Jones' ineptness or how much of it is the offensive line sucks? Or is it just a combination? Both. Yeah, I mean, the offensive line, obviously, you give up 11 sacks in a game. And obviously, the Cowboys in the first game were killing him. But they end up, I think they got, they got seven in that first game against yeah. the Giants. I mean, they're just, he's running for his life. And he does a good, he avoids some sacks and is able to run and escape. Like, you give him, if he was like more of a statue back there, oh, gosh, gosh, he might get sacked 15 times a game. Right. Um, so he does a little bit to avoid that. But the offensive line is bad. 
Um, but like he also makes some really bad throws at times. They um, thus the ninety-seven yard with pick with six. Saquon just it's without Saquon they just don't have much going for them offensively. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a it's a rough go for them and. Yeah, I, I, in some ways, I feel bad for him because when Saquon's not in there, there's not a whole lot weapon-wise for him to 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 go to. Um, and then you throw in a bad offensive line with it. Yeah, there's it's, there's a there's a lot going against that offense. Yeah, another note from Adam Zagoria: the Giants have been outscored by 79 points in three primetime games this season. They are not primetime players, as they say. Seattle wins 24 to three. How about the Seahawks? They're three and one. Consistent. They're just consistent under Pete Carroll. They've always been consistent. Sometimes they've been great, obviously. But they won at Detroit. The Lions only lost this year. They win now in the Meadowlands at MetLife Stadium. They win convincingly. And again, the Giants down 14-3, driving inside the five, deep in the red zone. Daniel Jones throws a pick six that goes 97 yards, Witherspoon taking it the other way. Just awful right there. Absolutely awful. But that's what we had. That was our choice for Monday night. You can watch it or you can watch something else. I chose the uh, the latter of that. I, what did what, you watch? I couldn't I couldn't watch that anymore. So what did I, I don't remember what I turned I'll be, I'll on. Be I turned honest. on something that I had recorded. I'll be honest with you. My wife, I said, you have you got control of the, of the remote. I go, I can't oh, watch I wa- this anymore. I watched Jersey Shore Family Vacation. That's what it was. Oh, I already watched mine. I, I watched 90 Day Fiance. That's when my oh, wife popped okay. on. I watched Jersey Shore. Yeah, no, it was the opposite for me because I was just scrolling through Twitter and I saw, oh, Daniel Jones gave up a 98-yard <laughs> pick six. I was like, well, let me let me, let me, me just tune in just to see what's, what, what else he's looking like. And then he threw his, what, his third pick of the game, if I'm not mistaken. He, like he threw three. No, he and, threw two. He, he threw, threw two, two, but that was that ninety-seven yeah. yarder. Like it ended, it ended the game. But and even um, and I was done at halftime. At halftime, I was out. <laughs> I, I, I tapped out. I was like, "This is just—it's just horrendous football." How, how like, there's about nothing Buck, happening? How about Buck and Aikman? They're calling the game. The producer shows the shot of the parking lot. Of the, yes, <laughs> uh, uh, of the taillights heading out of MetLife Stadium, out of the Meadowlands Complex, and. Troy Aikman's basically saying it's going to be uh, easy for us when we lead because the roads are going to be clear. Everybody's going to be gone. Basically, they said this game's done. And, they and there was still a quarter and change to go. They refused to talk about Taylor Swift. They should talk about Taylor Swift because that would have been more, much more interesting than the game. It probably would have Geno been. Smith threw for 110 yards. His team had a blowout win. I mean, it's like it, there was just nothing happening. Like I, I kept waiting for something redeeming about the game and I was like I can't do it anymore so at halftime I was out I went nope no more of this well Gino went out with the injury early then came back didn't have to throw the ball all they had to do was run with that big lead I needed Gino for 200 yards it didn't even happen of course I guess the good news is that he did come back through a touchdown pass to the former rebel DK Metcalf but yeah it was uh it was not good to say the least all right Major League Baseball the playoffs begin today the wild card round there's four series and I am looking forward to it. There's nothing like postseason baseball. You got the Marlins and the Phillies, the Rangers and the Rays, the Blue Jays and the Twins, and the Diamondbacks and the Brewers, all best two of three in the Major League Baseball playoffs. In the meantime, some other Major League Baseball news. Uh, Phil Nevin was let go by the Angels. I don't think that's a surprise. So Phil Nevin out. The Angels need a manager. This one kind of slipped by. I think it happened over the weekend, or I just didn't see it. Gabe Kapler 
was let mm-hmm. go by the San Francisco Giants, one-time Phillies manager. Yesterday, the news of Buck Showalter not returning for the Mets. And we know that Terry Francona has resigned. He's retired as the coach of the Guardians, longtime Red Sox skipper. So you got openings there in Anaheim, in San Francisco, with the New York Mets, and in Cleveland. We'll see if anything else happens. And then there was the sad, sad news of the passing of Tim Wakefield at the age of 57. I had no, Look, I knew Tim Wakefield was a very good pitcher, solid pitcher, a great knuckleballer, kind of the last of the Mohicans, if you will. I don't know if anybody throws a knuckleball now. But I didn't know how, just how good he was with the Red Sox. Wakefield pitched for a couple of teams, but man, oh man, his longevity and his numbers stand out. And that's a proud franchise with a lot of greatness. Tim Wakefield was a great, great player for the Red Sox. Yeah, fantastic career. Now, those knuckleball guys can pitch every day, basically, if you need them to. So, um, but yeah, he had he had a fantastic career, and very sad to see that uh, at a very young age that he passed away. So yeah, it was it's uh and I I had no idea that he had gotten sick and was sick. And, no. Um but yeah it's really unfortunate. Um also news from the college basketball world. According to Pops LeBron James at the Lakers media availability yesterday, Bronny James is going to be able to play at USC. So that's good news. Hopefully that young man will stay healthy and he'll have a prominent career and maybe one day play with his dad in the NBA. But uh, it was very, very scary there for a while about Bronny. And it looks like, again, according to Pops, that he will be playing. And so I'm sure right now is starting to practice with the USC Trojans. Folks, if you're looking for a place to play golf that uh, you've never had the opportunity before because you weren't a member of this country club, well, you now have an opportunity. It's Meadowbrook Country Club which is at 1250 West Broadway in West Memphis, Arkansas. It is a short trip from anywhere. In fact, what is it, 10, 15 minutes at most from Midtown or Downtown Memphis? An easy trip, as I said, from anywhere in the tri-state area. But again, it has been a private country club since 1959 when it was established. Not anymore. It's still a country club, but it's now semi-private, so you can play it as a daily fee course. They're open Tuesday through Saturday, Challenging layout, Bermuda greens, real fun course. Daily fee, just 59 bucks in tax, and that includes the cart. Also, if you want to become a member of that country club, $350 per month. That includes golf, tennis, pickleball, swimming. they got a great swimming pool, plus restaurant and bar. Uh, you can become a member at Meadowbrook Country Club. The number to call, write this down if you can. If you're driving around, don't. Don't go for the pen and paper. 870 394 4186. If you missed that number, just call the station. We'll get it for you. 870-394-4186. Call. Set up your tea time. Or if you have questions about uh, becoming a member of the Country Club, they will answer them for you. Uh, Mark Bartlett's the pro out there. He can also give you lessons, and he can fit you for Shrixon Clubs. He's a former member of the PGA Tour. So give Mark a call. Set up a tea time and enjoy Meadowbrook Country Club. Coming up next to open up hour number two, Wake Up the Kids, we're talking to one of the young Memphis Tigers players, Carl Sharonfont, 6'5", freshman guard, will join us next. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM.